Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Ariana Prail. Imagine your company announced that it was piloting a shorter work week, where you would work 32 hours for 40 hours of pay, and it would be up to you to get your work done in less time. With those free hours, maybe you could take a day off each week or start the workday later after exercising or taking your kid to school. The French work 35-hour weeks. Some Spanish companies plan to pilot a 32-hour week this year. But could this fly with U.S. companies, where working long hours is often expected and hustle and grind culture celebrated? We'll discuss the idea of a shorter work week, what it might mean for employees of all kinds, and if it's good or bad for business. That's next on Forum, right after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Ariana Prail. Three years ago, a private company in New Zealand called Perpetual Guardian kicked off an eight-week trial of giving all its employees a paid day off each week. Two positive results, including a decrease in stress levels among staff and no drops in job performance. Overall, interest in exploring a shorter work week has grown globally in recent years, with some companies in the U.S. even giving it a test run. Today, we're considering the 32-hour work week. And to kick off our conversation, we have Charlotte Lockhart, CEO of Four Day Week Global, a nonprofit community supporting the idea of a four-day work week as part of the future of work. She joins us from New Zealand. Welcome to Forum, Charlotte Lockhart. Good morning. How are you? Doing well. How are you? Very good indeed. Very good. Well, indeed. thanks for sh- well, thanks for joining us and and talking more about your work. Your company wrote a white paper on the Perpetual Guardian trial. Tell us more about it. What did the trial study, and what were the main takeaways? Well, the main takeaways were that working less actually makes your staff uh, more product productive, and it's it seems counterintuitive to send your staff home and actually make more money. But what uh, Perpetual Guardian were looking at was actually why were people less productive uh, during the five-day work week. So they um, started a trial, which they ran for two years in 2018, sorry, for two months in 2018. Um, And each of the staff members looked at why their job was taking taking them more time, uh, made habit changes, uh, worked together collectively, and now they permanently work a reduced hour um, work week model. And so I'd mentioned the decrease in stress levels was reported and that they were able to maintain their job performance. What were some of the other um, results from the trial that were encouraging? Well, it, well, well so from the, from the trial specifically were um, greater team engagement scores. People felt more empowered to be able to do their job in less time than, than the more time, which was quite interesting. 
And long term, it has continued to be the best team building exercise that Perpetual Guardian ever did. Sick days have halved, all sorts of other things that come out of it. The clients love the idea that the company is quite forward thinking. Um, it, it, Perpetual Guardian is a, is a trustee company, which is a, a fairly boring and um, traditional industry. Um, and now they attract the best of the staff. They attract clients that think that they um, are doing funky and cool things. And uh, they, they were called by the media in India at, at one point, uh, Uber Cool. And I can tell you that's the first time a trusty company has ever been called Uber Cool. <laughs> well, the idea has been gaining ground glo- globally. What are some other standout examples outside of New Zealand where you've seen trials or impl- implementation of a four-day work week or a 32-hour work week? Well, I mean, the most relevant one for the US, of course, is the Microsoft trial that was run a couple of summers ago. And what they found when they ran their trial was that they, they had a 40, well, 39.9, so let's round it to 40% increase in productivity. They took a quite clever approach to how they did it. They got people to um, to do three things. They asked them to do a um, uh, no more meetings, no more than thirty minutes, no more than five people in a me- in a meeting, and to use Microsoft Teams a lot more. Obviously, one of their own products, um, and and that's what they found in in quite a short period of time is that they had this um, quite large increase in their productivity. They also concentrated on what people were going to do outside of work as well. And that's what we see around the world is, is those social benefits around what we can do uh, when we are not work, at work. I, I use a line a lot with employers to sort of say, remember that we borrow our people from their lives. Hmm. And as you alluded to in the um, in the introduction, now we've got Spain doing a really quite clear yeah. and elegant initiative. Yeah, mm. can you speak about that a uh, little bit about that? I know you're not a news reporter necessarily that can give all no, the nuts and bolts, no, but no, in March, yeah, they're planning to launch this trial sometime this year that's backed by the government. Yeah, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, so that, a great thing about that is well, what it's, it's quite elegant. Essentially, all the government has said is that we think that a reduced hour work model is a great idea. We're going to apply some funding, so they've put thirty, sorry, uh, fifty-three. Uh, million euro towards the project and they are going to subsidize employers to um, to run trials on the four-day week they're expecting about 200 companies to sign up to it um, I would actually uh, you know put it at more myself but they are um, very uh, very it's a very exciting initiative and it's quite hands-off people often ask us what do I want governments to do and you know you, because legislating for a four-day week is a much more complex piece of work. But this is quite elegant. We're just saying, well, we like the idea and we think business should sort it out. So love it. And you're developing an international campaign that has its eyes on the U.S. Can you tell us about what it aims to do? Yes. So uh, so we're working with, with a team uh, to put together a campaign which will launch in about six weeks, sorry, eight weeks. Um, and it is designed to get everyone to do a shout out and say, hey, we want a four day week. Um, and so you, if you're interested in a four day week, you'll be able to participate in that and it will lead through 
to a, a, to a call out for businesses that want to run a pilot and try it in their own businesses. And, and this is a, a, a campaign which is a, which will have a global reach. If you'll be part of a global team when you do this. So focus is, is, is to get US companies to have a look at it, but you will be part of a, a, a team of global people that are trialling it. Um, and we'll have free resources for you to work through and um yeah, it's 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 designed to let's kickstart that. Well, I actually want to bring in Alex Sujung Kim Pong into the conversation as well. He's author of Shorter, Work Better, Smarter, and Less. Here's how and Rest: Why You Get More Done When You Work Less. Alex Sujung Kim Pong, welcome to Forum. Oh, thanks, Ariana. Great to be here. So you've said that the four-day work week is already here. It's just covered up by bad practices and habits. Can you talk about that? Sure. So, you know, we all know that there have been sort of great advances in productivity thanks to technology and sort of, uh, and sort of other things. But, you know, at the same time, we also lose about two hours a day to poorly run meetings, technology distractions, interruptions, people who just come with, you know, one quick question that turns into a five-minute conversation. And so, you know, what I have found in looking at a couple hundred companies around the world that have moved to four-day weeks or six-hour days is that if you can just get a handle on that stuff, you go a long way to being able to do five days worth of work in four and also improving you know, work-life balance and productivity and sort of employee happiness. Yes, and, and Charlotte Lockhart what were some of the things the employees at Perpetual Guardian did with their extra day, speaking of this work-life balance that, that Alex brings up? Oh, well, let's, I mean, what, where to start? Um, we have – so our staff actually um, don't just work a four-day four week. They, they work a reduced-hour work model. So we have people who walk their uh, children to school, which you alluded to in your introduction, but they also uh, learn um, education is key for our team. Our team are always looking to try and improve themselves, so lots of them entered into further education programs. There's looking after elderly relatives. There's uh, getting involved involved in community engagement um, and civic duties. And then, of course, there's just simply going for a walk and having time to think, having time for exercise. Uh, someone took up, um, d decided they were going to learn to cook, uh, having n not really ever had the time for that before. And they decided that they would plant a vegetable garden and they would learn how to cook for their family. So I think that the various things that people do are uh, are really important. Are they the important things to them? And that's, I think, one of the key things is that people will spend time in the way that is most important to them. And Alex Sujung Kim Pong, you wrote last year in the Atlantic that as workplaces think of reopening, they not only have um, from the pandemic, they not only have an opportunity to redesign space, think, you know, think about ventilation, distancing, but an opportunity to redesign schedules. I mean, this is all a construct anyway, right? The 40-hour work week is a construct. No, oh, absolutely. I mean, it is, you know, it's one that uh, that every, uh, that, you know, all of us have grown up with. But, um, you know, I think that there is, you know, there is a lot that we can do in order to make the work week better. And, you know, I think that sort of taking the sort of approach that time is something that we can design, right? It's something that sort of is, turns out to be a really powerful way of thinking about how you organize the work week, how you organize collaborative time, and it's and also um, how you design it so that you can 
use technology better and take some of the time savings and give it back to your employees. Well, I know we have to let you go at the break, Charlotte Lockhart. I'm curious, how do you plan to make your case as you take this um, campaign international and um, kind of land it in the U.S.? Look, it's quite simple. Um, Less time at work is more profitable. Uh, So for businesses to ignore the fact that they might be able to make more money is a fairly big big call on their part. And running a pilot is, um, the great thing about running a trial is there's no risk. Just give it a go, see how it works. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, well, also great. But one of the things that you will get out of running a trial is really excellent productivity measures. You'll get, uh, you'll learn a lot about your business and the way your business works by merely running a trial. So, hey, what have you got to lose? That's Charlotte Lockhart, CEO of Four Day Week Global, joining us from New Zealand. Thanks for sharing your perspective with us. Thank you. And you, our listeners, we'd love to hear from you. What do you think about the idea of a 32-hour work week? Do you think it would impact your productivity negatively or positively? Maybe you have a company and would like to share your perspective. Give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. And Alex Sujung Kim Pong, we just have maybe about 30 seconds, 40 seconds going into the break. But um, tell us, just start telling us a bit about your vision for reentering the workplace. And you point out that this isn't just for offices, your, your thoughts of kind of redesigning schedules. It can work for all sorts of workplaces. In nursing homes, in restaurants, you know, it's something that's great for, you know, baristas and line cooks and mechanics, not just like web designers and knowledge workers. So I think that, you know, as we sort of as we go back to work, as we reopen offices, um, this is something really well worth exploring in all kinds of industries. Great. Well, we'll hear more about that and get into more of some of the nuts and bolts of how this would actually work after the break. I'm Ariana Prail. You're listening to Forum. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Ariana Prail, and we're talking about a shorter work week. I'm joined by Alex Sujung Kim Pong, author of Shorter, Work Better, Smarter, and Less, Here's How, and Rest, Why You Get More Done When You Work Less. So before the break, Alex Pong, we were talk- you were sharing some of the examples of different workplaces um, where this could work, you know, because maybe the first assumption would be like, oh, okay, well, this makes sense for an office. But what about non-office um, workplaces? So can you can you talk a little bit more about the examples. And you mentioned a nursing home example that I know was a part of your book. Yeah, that's sort of, uh, that's a a nursing home in Virginia where um, they took the certified nurses assistants, who are the people who, you know, help residents get dressed, bathe, spend the day with them. um, 
And it's a hard job, and there's normally huge turnover. And what this place did was say, okay, if you work 30 hours a week, you meet a couple other goals, we'll pay you for 40 hours. And the great thing about this is that, you know, you need nurses' assistants 24-7. So they actually did have to hire more people. But what they told me was that it cost them about $140,000 to sort of expand their workforce. But what they got in return was $120,000 of savings because they no longer had to put in you know, advertisements for, or of, uh, for positions. They didn't have to spend money on temporary agencies. Um, they spent less on, prescription, on prescribing drugs. And health outcomes for residents were better. So I think it's a lovely example of how even in places where you've got you know tight margins and fixed costs, that you know, that uh, the shorter work week turns out to be economically viable for organizations when you look a little more broadly beyond just how much you're spending on your people and you look at how much you get to save in other parts of your business. And of course, for creative work and for other things, the dynamic is a little bit different, but we see the same kinds of productivity increases and other sorts of gains that come when you intelligently shorten your work week. And yeah, and let's talk a bit about productivity and kind of squeezing the idea of squeezing more productivity into less time. Does that make people more frenetic or is a portion of many people's workdays unproductive in the first place? And this is just consolidating. Right. So um, Gloria Mark, who's a professor at UC Irvine, found that people lose maybe between two and four hours of productive time every day to distractions and meetings, et cetera. And so um, it is in... So, you know, what I see in uh, sort of in companies that move to four-day weeks is that they drive right at dealing with the sources of that loss, right? You make meetings a lot shorter. You redesign the workday to give people permission to spend deep-focused time, a few hours a day, on their most important tasks. You use technology to help pe- to augment people's abilities rather than distract them. And, you know, once... Once you start doing that, um, it really becomes pretty feasible to or to to uh, to do um, five days worth of work in four. Well, Ariel writes, I learned when I became a mom that I could get the same amount done in much less time. I have no doubt the same productivity or higher would exist with a shorter work week. As the saying goes, work expands to fill the time allotted. Yes, please. And Michael (laughs) writes, uh, the Marxist philosopher Herbert Marcuse thought everyone could work less. And if the product of their labor was fairly distributed, there would still be enough for everyone. And Michael's also curious, um, Alex Pong, if you're familiar um, with that philosopher's work. I I mean, you know, I read some Marcuse when I was in graduate school a million years ago. So but, you know, it's worth it's worth pointing out that. Um, you know, people like, you know, John Maynard Keynes and Bertrand Russell mm-hmm. also made the argument for the shorter work week. Indeed, you know, Richard Nixon in 1956 during the order presidential campaign was talking about how the four-day work week was something that was just on the horizon thanks to automation, blah, blah, blah. So it's actually a pretty wow. nonpartisan idea, even though it's one that we often associate with, you know, or wow. Leftist labor union, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, can I speak to the, the to the to the moms? Yes. To the moms point because you know one of the things that I see in sort of in the companies that I study is that you know obviously 
moving to a four-day week is great for everybody. There's nobody who says, I need less free time, right? But it's especially good for working parents and sort of for working, uh, for working mothers. And when they come to hiring people, um, companies that, uh, that, uh, that emphasize shorter hours rather than longer hours often kind of have a preference for working moms precisely because, number one, they often have working moms who have de- already demonstrated that it's possible to sort of to do this work in less time but second there's an uh, but second you know working working parents often have that kind of you know sort of awareness of time plus empathy plus a certain degree of ruthlessness about getting stuff done that is really valuable when you are working in this way and so what often is something that that penalizes you in the job market turns out in a four-day week economy to command a premium. And that turns out to be, I think, one of the great benefits of it. Well, I want to bring in Lena Yousefi um, into the conversation. She's the founder of Why Law, a family law firm based in Vancouver, British Columbia. And her firm recently went to a four-day work week in March of this year. Uh, Welcome, Lena Yousefi. Thank you. So what made you decide to implement a four-day work week at your firm? Um, actually, just uh, continuing what Alex was saying, I, um, I, I have a daughter who's um, still an infant. She's less than two years old. And um, I switched to four-day week, weeks myself because I wanted to be around her more. And I couldn't agree more. For some reason, you become so much more efficient as a mom. You get things done in like half the time you, you did before. And one night I was just cooking and having a glass of wine. And I was like, why can't I can't, why can't we all do this? Because everybody would, you know, enjoy this. Um, I did have my concerns regarding profitability, which is, I think the, the biggest concern for business owners when they are contemplating whether they should do this or not. And, um, so I just decided in that moment, I'll be okay if there's a decrease in our profitability, because in exchange, I would get a lot of loyalty and people wouldn't really want to leave once they experience four day weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I went to my, my, my people and I was like, you know, here's what I'm thinking. And, you know, as the starting point, I said, can we come four days a week, nine hours a day with an hour of break, which is, you know, eight hours of working. And everybody was thrilled and super welcoming of that idea. And then, um, what happened is I kept data of, you know, what was happening in that the first month of working four day weeks. And it was astonishing because not only did our profits not decrease at all, we actually increased our profits by um, 12% working four days a week. What this meant was that the lawyers were actually billing more hours um, in their four days than they were billing in their five days and even going more than what their target was. Just because, um, from, you know, I took surveys and I asked them why. And they said, because that one day gave them so much relaxation and peace of mind that they would come to work and they were fully focused. They weren't tired. They weren't exhausted. And um, they wanted this to work. They wanted this to be a success. So it became a team effort versus, you know, an us versus them mentality where the firm just wants to maximize on billables to collect more money from the associates who are just exhausted. Right now, I feel like we're just so much healthier because we're all moving towards the same goal, which is making this work while at the same time not losing profitability. I want to bring in a caller, Rachel in Sonoma, who's kind of on topic with this. Rachel, you're on. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I'm, I'm really excited about the the new speaker that you introduced. Um, so I'm, a, I'm an attorney also, and I live in the billable hour world. 
And I wonder about the legal industry and whether it's going to be able to change its model. Um, I decided a few years ago that I just I was tired of being so overworked. So I don't right now I work 90 percent full time uh, and I was willing to take a pay cut just to have a little bit of my life back. You know, the politics of it, you know, convincing your employer that you don't want to work full time is, is some challenge. But I just wonder what the future looks like for models like the billable hour where you know, there's still so much time that you don't get credit for. And so full time means you work, you know, at least 50 hours a week just because of all the other things. Right. Thanks for, for that question, Rachel. And Lena Yousefi, do you have any response to what Rachel raised? I know you already touched on what's been working for you. Um, but yeah. And, and also, do you consider this a trial run with your company? Or have you seen enough evidence that you believe this is why law's new normal and you could see it catching on at other law firms? So I'm 100% making this permanent. And, you know, I have a mentor who was the head of the one of the biggest law firms in, in Canada. And, you know, the first thing he told me when I was telling him this, he said, they're gonna hate you. They're, they're totally gonna hate you. They, they can't stand this idea, because, you know, this is what has been the mainstream traditional way of, you know, doing law. Um, and I said, okay, that's fine, but I'm just going to show them with my actions that if they did this, they're actually going to be more profitable. And the reason for that, which people may not realize is, you know, as people, we have medical appointments, dental appointments, hair appointments, we need time to rest, you know, we need, even during the work, you know, often people either call in sick when they're not sick to get things done or relax, or, you know, they come to me and they say, can I take two hours here, two hours there, you know, attend this appointment that has been, you know, pre-booked and I can't do it over the weekend. So when you give them that day, they will just schedule everything that they need to do on that day and they get the rest. And when they come back, they become more efficient with their billables. This um, assumption of mostly bigger law firms is that one day less means 20% cut in profits. And that's what really frustrates me because what I'm, I'm doing it and I'm in action of it. And I see that it actually means that you earn more profits. It's in the legal industry. I mean, you know, I, I don't need to say this. I mean, this is a, this is, this is common knowledge that it's notorious for um, feeding, you know, cultivating mental health issues within itself and, you know, addiction and things like that because lawyers are overworked. So when you work somewhere where your your soul is getting killed on a daily basis, you're not going to last there long. You know, you're going to get out or you're going to go down a really bad path. And it's really time for us to change that. I'm, I'm going to be one of the forefront runners, but I know there's going to be an incredible amount of resistance because, you know, in law schools, they they were telling us, like, you know, if you even ask about work, work-life work balance at your interview, you're not going to get the job. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they were saying you don't even, you shouldn't even wear your wedding band as a woman because they're going to know you're married and you might have a child and you're going to become liability. So, you know, for us in the legal industry, I think it's going to be a much harder and more challenging path towards the school. But I think the more we do it, the more it's going to become common and people are finally going to at least give it a chance. Well, thank you for sharing your perspective, Lena Yousefi, and, and what you're doing at Law, and also raising, yes, those, those bigger culture questions that we're going to get to um, later in the hour. Thank you so much for joining Forum. Thank you. That was Lena Yousefi, founder of Why Law, a family law firm based in Vancouver, British Columbia, whose firm recently went to a four-day work week. And going to go to a couple comments now, or a comment. So Rachel asks, what do your guests say about about a shift based on... um, or shift-based or hourly workers, like at restaurants, can the 32-hour work 
week apply to them. Alex, Sujung, Kimpong, um, I was going to ask you about that earlier. How does a shorter work week affect our, hourly wage warners, earners? Sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied here. Um, I know that Shake Shack was one of the companies in the U.S. that has done a trial. Can you speak more about that? Yeah, so Shake Shack um, did a trial, I believe, in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, it was, uh, I think, originally for management, and then they sort of extended it to sort of the the line cooks <clears throat> as well. But you know, I think that sort of more broadly, you know, I'm seeing a number of companies that you know pay their people hourly, or you know, in the case of law firms, that you know where sort of you know billable hours is, you know sort of reigns and their and what i'm seeing there is that um, these are places i'm particularly interested in the companies that don't cut salaries that you know keep salaries the same or you know raise hourly wages while cutting working hours with the understanding that you can that you know the social contract is you get back more time but you know, we have to be sort of more productive and make, and so, sort of, uh, you know, and keep customers happy. And I think both in salaried work and in hourly work, it turns out that is something that is a lot more doable than I think we tend, you know, sort of in our 24 7 always on world um, is actually much more within reach, not just, you know, for white collar, but also for blue collar and hourly workers um, alike. So Dina writes, I've been working 32 hour um a week 32 hours a week since last year while I was while I missed the income I'm an hourly office worker I've gained a significantly better life work balance. To me that's worth the income drop. If I could work 32 hours and get paid for 40, I see no downside. So that's really getting to the the point you were making and and we should clarify that yeah, when we're talking about the 32 hour work week, it's that you're making what you're making um if you're for example if you're a salaried employee, it's just you're you're trying to compact your productivity into those 32 hours. Exactly. Yeah. No, that sort of the the companies the companies that I'm looking at are sort of specifically doing that and you know I think that there are and there are some that you know have sort of have workers like your commenter who you know do you know who move to a reduced work week but still are super productive and that is one of the signals to them that you know this is something actually that our entire workforce could do it might you know what if it's something that's uh, that we can all work on together we can collaborate on so that this is a benefit that becomes accessible to everybody and it's not something that you have to negotiate with with your boss um, it's not a special exemption that maybe sort of makes you the odd person out. Um, it becomes something that everybody gets to share from top to bottom and for which everybody benefits and everybody contributes. And Kimberly writes, working from home during the pandemic has put productivity under a microscope. I switched to two days a week meetings only versus any time a client wants a meeting. And I also use the time blocking system, which help, which keeps me accountable and more productive in work and life. I like that she highlights accountability because I... I've been reading that, you know, one of the factors that makes some employers hesitant is the trust factor. You know, will you really get more work done? Or are you just going to be like, oh, you know, freebie day and, and try and take advantage? Um, but I feel like that's that's maybe not um, as founded of a worry um, as, as it may seem. No, you know, I think as, as, you know, as Charlotte and Lena both pointed to, when you give people more free time, it turns out that... Um, they use it for really good things. One of the founders I interviewed said that basically what people do with their extra time is they care. 
they care for themselves, they care for family, they do community work, they do volunteer stuff. Um, and so I think that's, you know, that's a, that's a really powerful indication that uh, of sort of the good that can be generated by sort of uh, by moving to uh, moving to a four day week. There's also a model where people spend where basically the company stays open on that fifth day, but you can come in and you can like work on your own projects or you know sort of learn a new programming language or what have you. Um, there's a company that calls these some days. Where, you know, someday I will learn to do this. Someday I will, you know, I'll finally finish this project. And those, and those Fridays now are the days when you're free to, you know, you're free to, free to do that thing, whatever it is. I'm going to try and squeeze one call in before the break. Hanaro in Oakland, you're on. We just have about 30 seconds. Hey, neighbors. Uh, so I work for a government agency and we do have holidays paid holidays which are a blessing and i keep trying to tell management to cut the work week to um either wednesdays off for part of the team or mondays off or fridays off to have a four-day work week without cutting hours and um you know every time we have a holiday having a three-day weekend is just such a blessing and making that a regular part of our lives would um let everybody know um, how blessed we are and um, really, you know, increase productivity due to having uh, happiness in the workforce. Well, thanks so much for sharing your perspective on it, Hanaro. And for you, our listeners, share more of what you're thinking. What do you think about the idea of a 32-hour work week? Do you think it would impact your productivity negatively or positively? Maybe you have a company and would like to share your perspective as an employer. Give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. More with our guest, Alex Sujung Kim Pong, after the break. This is Forum. I'm Ariana Prail. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? you left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Ariana Prail, and we're considering the idea of a 32-hour work week. I'm talking with Alex Sujung, Sujung Kim Pong, author of Shorter, Work Better, Smarter, and Less, and Rest, Why You Get More Done When You Work Less. And joining me now is Peter Capelli, professor of management at the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania. Welcome to Forum, Peter Capelli. Thank you. My pleasure. So when considering whether this idea of the 32-hour work week could take hold in the U.S., you're fairly skeptical. Tell us why. Yeah, I'm kind of a wet blanket, which doesn't mean <laughs> that it, it doesn't uh, sound like something we should, we should think about. I guess I'm more concerned about seeing whether we could get the 60-hour work weeks down to 40, Wow, um, yeah. which seems to be a more, you know, a sort of more pressing issue. But I think, you know, the problem in the U.S. is that the employers have all the marbles, and things have to make sense for them or it's not going to happen. And, 
You know, the employers are limited in lots of different ways. And one of them is they don't measure productivity very well. There are lots of jobs where they're structured in ways that the employees don't have a lot of control over how they're doing their work. They can't become more productive uh, simply because they might be motivated uh, to do it. And so, you know, we sort of have to figure out how could this work for the employer? I think there is one other twist that I don't think you've talked about yet. And that is if you gave the employees a choice and the choice was, uh, okay, you can work 32 hours a week, let's say being paid more per hour, or you could be paid more per hour and work 40. Would everybody take the 32 hours? And I think what you're going to find is not everybody would, right? So for some people, the issue is, is time. Uh, but for other people, the issue is money. So I'm not sure that uh, I see how this is going to work for the employers. I think it would be a great thing if employers would think more about making people more productive. But it's a very hard thing to do because lots of organizations just don't have the ability to manage and measure individual productivity anyway. And we actually have an employer on the line. David in San Jose, you're on. Well, thanks very much. Uh, my comment relates more to uh, California legislature and California employment law. I can't speak for the rest of the nation, but <clears throat> California laws don't seem to favor the employer uh, in this regard, or at least as I think about what I'm hearing. Uh, the 32-hour work week sounds great, but as a service-oriented business that uh, has challenges with uh, the uh, balance between part-time and full-time employees in general, uh, I see, isn't that the reason we have vacation pay or PTO and such that people can choose to work less uh, as that balance occurs? Um, all in favor, but again, I, I don't believe California legislature and, and uh, California laws and the union controls that seem to be uh, directing us more and more uh, are in favor of this. Thanks for sharing your perspective, David. And Peter Capelli, I mean, he is touching on on something that you've spoken about, too, in terms of the um, politics. I mean, there's legislature and, and actually lawmaking, and then there's also the politics of just how, how we would view this issue or how we view this issue in the U.S. Yeah, I think particularly if you compare it to European countries, for example, where the politics are quite different, the concerns of employees are much more front and center. You know, for example, in the U.S., in most state legislatures and also in the federal government, you would expect that the legislators are sensitive to the question of how employers are going to make money or make more money. And, you know, that's not something you would necessarily see front and center in, in all the other countries. But I think the fundamental issue, I think, is that um, for individual employers here, it's just not obvious what is in this for them. You know, you have an investor community around you. If you look at your population out there, particularly people on the, in Silicon Valley, you know, their view and the investor's view is that successful organizations are ones where people are working 70 hours a week, right? And consulting firms helping them 70 hours a week and that that's the way you get things done. And if you're talking to people about, okay, we're going to have this great idea, we're going to move to 32 hours, um, you're going to get a very skeptical reaction from uh, the people who are in power, right? So, you know, the fact that politics are the way they are in the U.S. with respect to this issue reflects 
the fact that employers are where they are and investors are where they are. And it's just a tough road to go down to think about how you might change all those people. Well, thanks for coming on to share your perspective with us, Peter Capelli. Peter Capelli is professor of management at the Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. And I'm going to go to some more comments. Carrie writes, I love the idea of working less and hope we can figure out how to make it the norm. Germans are highly efficient. Germans are highly efficient and have long had shorter work weeks. Having lived and worked in France when they reduced the work week from 40 hours to 35 hours, it's generally liked by employees, um, liked better by employees and employers, at least the way it was implemented. In reality, companies ended up having to hire more people or the employee ends up working the extra hours anyway in a cruise vacation time for it, resulting in about an extra two weeks of vacation per year, seven instead of five. So Alex Sujung Kimpong, that's kind of, Carrie's comment is kind of adding on to some of the concerns we heard um, from caller David and, and that Peter Capelli was raising as well. What's your response to, to Carrie's comment? Yeah, so I think that the sort of there are sort of regulatory and employment law issues that you can run up against sort of on edge cases, but so far those have been less impediment. You know, they haven't been the big impediments that uh, sort of we might expect. Likewise, I think that Peter raises some important issues that companies actually you know have to face around sort of measuring productivity and employee control. One of the things though that and the way that that these companies solve them is actually to give employees a lot of control and to or, and to give them the power to work together to figure out how to implement a four day week. You know, as for what management gets out of it, management also gets a four day week. And I think that there were you know there were a lot of very senior people who have you know work you know who've put in their share of seventy or eighty hour work weeks for years who reach a point in their lives where they think this is nuts we could do it better and at these companies they're figuring out how to do so and then finally with the case of investors you know i would just point to you know i think that they, you know it is absolutely the case that um there are lots of investors who behave the way that peter describes but i would point to the example of um a korean company called wuwa brothers which was just sold for 5.4 billion dollars it's Korea's equivalent of DoorDash or Uber Eats, they've been working a shorter work week for seven or eight years now. And they got several, in their last round, several hundred million dollars worth of funding from VCs on Sand Hill Road and in Singapore. And you talk to them and sort of their response was, you know, yeah, it's kind of weird that they work a 32 or a 35 hour week, but look at their results, right? You got 70% year over year growth. That's what we focused on, not, you know, how many hours people were working. We've invested in a lot of companies where people did 100 hour weeks that flamed out. So, you know, the fact that they were profitable, that they had a great product, that was the thing that sort of really convinced us to invest. Hmm. Well, let's go to another caller, Doug in Berkeley. Doug, you're on. Hi, thanks for taking my call. So um, I work for a local uh, Bay Area company in Oakland, uh, but our our main headquarters is back in um, East Coast. So we've done what I guess is a kind of a standard East Coast practice, what they call summer Fridays. And that's where, you know, we get like half a day on Fridays. Right. And um, so they decided, you know, during the pandemic, let's extend this. You know, um, you know, everybody's schedules shifted, et cetera. 
And so we've been doing that for about a year. But now what they've said is, you know, when the offices start to open up, when it comes time, you know, to everybody go back in, say, in the fall, they're going to do away with that. But I don't think, you know, it's been great to have this. And I w- I'm just wondering, you know, how would you convince? Because I don't think our productivity has gone down at all. I think, you know, like some of the points made here, our productivity has increased because we know we have time to take care of everything on like Friday afternoon. So I don't know. How would you go about, you know, trying to convince our employer that, hey, we've done this for a year. It's been great. Why, why go back to a 40-hour work week? Alex Sujung Kim Pong, this is one of your, your main arguments, um, you know, coming out of the pandemic. Absolutely. You know, um, first of all, you know, I would point at the numbers, right? At the KPIs, at your sales, your productivity levels. And if those have been good, that's a pretty compelling argument for sort of keeping the sort of the, the, the hours where they are. Um, the other thing is that, you know, we have a century's worth of research that shows that long periods of overwork uh, you know, stress both individuals and organizations to the point where they are actually, after a couple months, less productive than they would be if they were working 40 hours. So, you know, I think that there, uh, so that's, you know, another data point that's worth pointing out. The other thing is, I would ask about stuff like, you know, recruitment and retention. You know, has that, has it become easier to hire good people as a result of having the summer Fridays? And, you know, it's often the case that there are these second order benefits that turn out also to have, you know, the sort of uh, substantial savings that um, can further reinforce sort of the economic case for a shorter work week. And I think all of this is also just raising, you know, there's, it's a work culture conversation, you know, like some of the changes in what Peter Capelli, I think the skepticism coming from, it's like, we don't have a culture that currently supports this. And I actually want to bring in kind of the spirit of Toni Morrison into the conversation now. In a 2017 piece (laughs) for The New Yorker, she wrote about the work she did as as a child cleaning a woman's home for two hours after school. And when she got frustrated, she went to her dad for advice and, um, he, and she distills what he said. One, whatever the work is, do it well, not for the boss, but for yourself. Two, you make the job. It doesn't make you. Three, your real life is with us, your family. Four, you are not the work you do. You are the person you are. I bring this quote up because I think it's it's really at the foundation of what these proposals for a 32-hour work week represent. You know, the idea that your job is not the sum of your life, leisure time is not laziness, those kinds of values. I'm curious what your reaction to Toni Morrison's work advice is. Well, you know, first of all, I will agree with pretty much anything that Toni Morrison says, and I will just build two things on it. I I think number one is that there is, you know, an important like collaborative and collective dimension to this, that, um, you know, one of the great things about moving to a shorter work week when a company does it is you're not, you know, it's not something that individuals you know, individuals have to extract, and it's not something also that puts a target on them. Um, it is something that sort of uh, that you achieve working with other people. Um, and I think also that uh, you know the second thing is building on uh, you know, building on Tony Morrison that you know there is. It is po- you know it is possible for people to invest you know a lot of passion and imagining creativity in figuring out how to shorten the work week, just as it is 
you know, and you end up exercising a lot of the same kind of energy and passion that you spend working long hours. You're just kind of flipping a bit, as sort of developers like to say, and you're pointing all of those impulses and that energy in a different, but ultimately far more sustainable direction. So, you know, I think that the, you know, that uh, that uh, what that what that tells us is that, you know, the good part of modern work culture about, you know, inviting people to in, you know, to bring their best selves to the order to their work and to be emotionally invested in it, that is something that you can still maintain in a shorter work week. It's just that you direct it in a way that turns out to be better it basically is sort of better and more sustainable for your individual for your employees for management for your ownership and for the company as a whole well let's go to another caller mario in san francisco you're on hi yeah i just uh wanted to state that like you know when we're talking about reimagining the work week you know for some workers like myself i'm an hourly retail worker um and i prefer to actually work more and you know it's i find it challenging to get the, the more hours because so many um you know larger employers um, because they're working with restrictions regarding uh, overtime pay, pay. Um, it makes it difficult for them to give employees flexibility. So I guess my comment was that I, I feel like when reimagining the work week, I feel like it's, it should be more of a conversation about employee um, choice and, and, you know, and giving them more flexibility to do what works well for them. I personally like to work many, many hours in the week, in the week, but I know that there's a lot of people who prefer who work better when they work less hours in the week. So it's, I just feel like putting that in as part of the conversation is reimagining the work week altogether, not just to reduce it. And thanks, I'll Mario. take my comments off the air. Yeah, thanks, Mario. Alex, Sujung, Kim Pong, what are your thoughts just in terms of how and what have you seen in terms of how some of the kind of case study organizations and, and companies have been doing it in terms of, you know, is it are they kind of trying it as a blanket policy? Are they offering up choice? Um, what does that mm-hmm. look like? So small companies generally dive right in. They do like a 90-day trial and then sort of almost all of them decide to make it permanent. Big companies are taking sort of a more crab-wise side approach where um, particular offices or functions will try it and then spread it through the rest of the organization, which is actually how what happened with Ford Motor Company. You know, um, just May 1st, 1926, they moved to a, a, a to a five-day work week, but that was after three years of experimenting with, um, sort of, with it in various parts of the company before finally implementing it on the production line on May first, nineteen twenty-six. So, you know, and then as for the question of you know people who you know who genuinely are in a position to and want to work, you know, want to continue working, there's nothing that stops them from, you know, from doing that either if they want to take a second job or continuing to work, you know, continuing to do more professional development kinds, uh, kinds of stuff. Um, I think that the, and so I think that this is, you know, it's not, it's not an exclusionary thing. Um, but I think that, you know, for an awful lot, for an awful lot of people who take it, um, it, you know, it proves to be a way that allows them to do really good work and allows them sort of more time for professional and for personal development. And so it's, you know, it's a, and it's a win for them as well as for companies. I'm just going to read a couple more 
comments before we close. Gina writes, my daughter, a senior in high school, has been so happy about a new dynamic set up with the pandemic. Her school has classes Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday and reserve Wednesdays as Tiger Day, their mascot, so students can study, have recovery time, meet with teachers, and do whatever it is they feel like they need to recover and take a break from required work. I see she is more productive, receptive, and less stressed, knowing she can depend on this. I imagine a Wednesday break mid-work week would be helpful in all of those ways, too. We are all overworked. And Amy writes, I love this conversation. It is something I've long advocated for. I tried discussing this with my former boss at a nonprofit where I worked for years. We always worked excessive hours. There was a lot of burnout. The response was a shaming attitude that we should all be working more. We need more progressive thinking on this, not regressive. Thank you for the conversation. And as we close out, we just have about a minute or so left. I'm curious if this has been a kind of a policy you've applied in your own life, Alex Suchung Kim Pong, and, and how it's worked out for you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I do everything that I talk about in Shorter, but also in my previous book, Rest, which is about the kind of secret role of rest in supercharging the creativity of you know prolific people and such. And so, you know, um, I think that uh, you know when you are when you are a solo operator or you're working with a small team, it is something that is easier to implement. Um, even, you know, even having said that, there's something like, what, 90% of companies in the United States have fewer than 50 people. So even if this were a movement that just was extended to small companies, that has a, the potential to impact an awful lot of us and improve an awful lot of lives. So I think that the, you know, and... You know, the final thing I would say about my own case is that, you know, I'm a I'm a classic example of someone who, you know, sort of worked worked long hours and, you know, and burned out a few years ago. And in the time that I've taken to kind of step back and work this new way, I've I have written, you know, sort of three books and yeah. started a and you know done all you know done the best work of my life so well thanks for i have to wrap it up there um we've been talking about a shorter work week with alex su jung kim pong also peter capelli lena Yusefi, and charlotte lockhart you've been listening to forum i'm ariana prail stay tuned for another hour with mina kim after the break funds for the production of forum are provided by the members of kqed public radio and the germanicos foundation and the generosity foundation This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. 
make sure you're following the political scene available now wherever you get your podcasts.